exercise instruction from that era <laughs> was so militant. Yes. And like, do it. They're like, don't collapse. Don't let it collapse. Yeah. And get up. Lift your knee. No, that's not lifting a knee. Get it up yeah. there. But nowadays, it's like, do what your body feels like doing. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and that's why my body looks the way it does, because I've been doing what I feel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that's not what I want from a trainer. <laughs> Welcome to Hey You Know It. My name is Jaquetta Sotmar, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie Kazmier. Hey You Know It is a podcast that tells you how it is or how it should be. You can listen to Hey You Know It on iTunes, a new episode every Monday. And here they are, Jaquetta and Katie. Hey, who's rolling? Yes. Um, again with the Titanic. So, we've reported before on the mysteries of the Titanic, ghosts of the Titanic. Yes, I'm going to become a Titanic expert without seeing the movie. You are obsessed with the Titanic that... Yeah, I'm obsessed... That keeps on giving. ...with people's obsession with it. (laughs) And it's one of those things that you just Google it, and there's always somehow some news. Mm -hmm. So, this is something that it's no... It says it's currently unavailable on Amazon Fashion. But it is a 401 designed Titanic 100th anniversary cold teardrop necklace with authentic memorabilia. This is a piece of Titanic coal, handcrafted coal? into coal a- from the Titanic. <laughs> you mean that was in their furnaces down there that they brought up to the surface? How can you tell? How it is authentic you know? coal recovered from the Titanic. No, a piece of coal. It says here, this is what it, look, it, I'm just reading what it says. This teardrop centennial edition necklace contains authentic coal recovered from the Titanic. Reprint. It's a reprint of an original coal certificate. So it's a copy of an authentic certificate. Oh, so, which kind of, <laughs> yes. does it make it authentic? Though, it's handcrafted right? clear glass pendant with silver plated cap, about one inch long. Um, but size and color could vary somehow. Even though it's a piece, usually with jewelry, every piece is the same. Yeah. Because you're working with metals. Yeah. No. Threaded with a two millimeter wax cotton cord, silver plated beads, adjustable slip knot, presented on a commemorative gold foiled and embossed card. <laughs> it's not even in a box. No. You know when you're you're younger and you buy jewelry yeah. and it's like on, on, a, a card. on yeah. an index card yeah. and then some cellophane yeah. wrapped around it. It's That's that how you're getting thing. it. That's yeah. How- <laughs> RMS Titanic Coal Teardrop Authentic Authentic Coal Recovered from the Titanic. Um, do a rare investment opportunity. Due oh, to the it? cost and difficulty of recovering items from the Titanic, only a limited quantity of Titanic coal has been recovered, all of which has been... No. Anything they could get off the Titanic, they bring it up. Yeah. You know, like, there's, they're not leaving pieces down. They're like, ah, we have enough coal. Yeah, right. No, it's all coming it's up. All it's coming all coming up. Um, all of which has been inventoried and, and by weight and quantity is certified by the U.S. Customs Service. What does that even mean? That it the, came the, the, in. I mean, sorry, but I've never looked at the back of something and been like, well, is this, does the U.S. Customs Service say it's okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, I know you're saying it's okay, but what about the customer service? Yeah. Uh, recovered from the wreck of the Titanic. 401 Designs has no affiliation or ongoing relationship with the RMS Titanic, except somehow they got their coal or premiere exhibitions, nor, you know, blah, 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 whatever. So, yeah. And it's interesting because I, I saw this and it says currently unavailable. And then I thought this was cute. We don't know when or if this item will ever be back in stock. 
<laughs> Amazon. If or when. Yes. I don't know. Maybe there is some more coal down there. Maybe there is. Maybe it isn't. But, but we'll like, have to get the uh, Coast Guard. Obviously, Amazon's just like basic copy of like, hey, we're not endorsing this. <laughs> It was, at one point, it was available. It's not now. Maybe it will be. Don't know. Why mm-hmm. are you buying this? What's wrong with you? It's a piece of coal. <laughs> it's probably just some soot. It? It's probably just some regular old coal. Who wants this? I don't know, but we are in the wrong business. There's, like, this isn't the only thing you can get made out of Titanic coal. Oh. There's what a, else can you have? I think it's like a bracelet oh, and then God. an earring. I think it was like a matching matching set. I, three. I smell a holiday gift for Jaquan. I know. Well, it's not available, but so keep that, you know, wish list. Okay. Amazon wish list. A piece of coal as <laughs> from the Titanic. Well, it could be a good Christmas gift. Remember when we reported that they found, like, some crackers from the Titanic? Oh, right, right. <laughs> like a menu a from the Titanic. biscuits. Yeah. A tin of biscuits. Or wet. <laughs> <laughs> Stale Titanic crackers. Uh-oh. All right, what do you have? Let's see. I have a little advice on advice. All right, advice on advice is a segment where we find advice on the internet that stinks. And it's unqualified. And we improve upon it by giving our advice on that advice. Hence, Hence. advice on advice. Yeah. Okay, so dear Amy. Oh, okay. Help. What What can I do for you? There has been a big rift in my family since the 2016 election. Mm -hmm. Well, some of your family are fascists. Yeah. My cousin is quite right-wing mm-hmm. and has been particularly rude and insulting to the point of unfriending on social okay, media. Okay, but he's right-wing. Yeah. We don't associate socially anymore. I, too, feel very strongly about politics and will change comments. Oh, sorry. Challenge comments I know are based in fact. Mm-hmm. Are not based in fact. Okay. How about this? I, too, feel very strongly about politics and will challenge comments I know are not based in fact. Yes, and you know what? You have an obligation to do that. Yes. And people are out there just spouting falsehoods. You have yeah. to say something. Even I, and I try not to get into it, but I'm mm-hmm. like, no, wait, wait, that's that's wrong. Yeah. That, it's not an opinion. Yeah, it's not. It's Yeah, yeah. this is actually not correct. Yeah. I don't care if the president said it. It's not it's correct. It's not correct, right. and you know it's not correct because he said it. Also, he said there's no recession coming, so people, get ready. For the recession. Hey, yeah, right? <laughs> For the recession. Oh, God. Now there is a wedding coming up and everyone is invited. My stomach clenches at the thought of being in a room with him and like-minded members of the family. Ooh. My question is whether it is better to show up and shut up for the sake of the family or not go because I'm appalled by their polis- politics and beliefs. I'm really struggling with this. This is a tough one. I always like to think of this because I'm, I'm assuming these are white people. But I always like to think of it in terms of if this were a wedding full of bigots, mm-hmm. would I go? Mm. Um... No, probably not. I mean, I have, I'm pretty lucky because my family, uh, if they have objectionable opinions, I certainly am not aware of mm-hmm. them from my immediate family and it's small. But um, yeah, there are definitely events I won't go to if I am not thrilled about mm-hmm. what kind of people are going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like in the case of a wedding, maybe go to the service. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're having a. Oh, okay. Yeah, go to the service that they're having, a, you know, getting married in a church or a hall or outside, you know, wherever, and then give a gift. But you don't have to stay for the reception. Right. No one's going to care. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, send a C-note. You could RSVP and say that you will be coming to the the church or whatever it is, the ceremony, but not the reception. I think that's an okay way to handle mm-hmm. it. Or how important are you? You know what I mean? Like, you're not in the wedding party. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to say. 
And it will be weird for if someone came to my wedding but didn't come to the go to the reception, I wouldn't be offended by mm-hmm. that. You could have other reasons for not wanting to be at the reception. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> if this person already unfriended you on social media, they're inviting you because, like, they feel obligated to, and they may mm-hmm. not even really want you there either. So is this, it's his wedding? Yeah, it's the, um... The unfriend? The cousin. It's the cousin's wedding? Yeah. Oh, don't go. Yeah, the cousin unfriended It's your cousin. You. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, don't go. Yeah. I said, well, this way... Or, like I said, go to the ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, she says, what do I do? And says, the wedding is not about your cousin or your politics. It's about celebrating the marrying couple, embracing the growth of your family through marriage. I suggest you toughen your spine, exercise your right to show up whether you're invite, where you're invited, and choose to avoid talking politics on this day. Mm-hmm. Steer clear of the most toxic cousin and the open bar. I say go to the open bar. Well, that was my, my second thing would be just get loaded. Yeah. <laughs> right. If you do engage, remain civil and show your more boorish relatives that you won't be riled or bullied by responding. I don't think this is the time or the place. This is one of these things that it depends on what you, if you believe that the personal is political, which Mm -hmm. I do, um, then don't go, you know. But if you're one of these people who thinks it's better to squelch how you feel about something and be in the company of assholes just to keep things smooth... Um, I would say that's a part of the problem with our culture. Yeah. It's like, you know, giving people, if, if you really find someone to be objectionable, then the best thing to do is just not to be around them. It's, that's the price you pay for being an asshole, right? Yeah. You that, don't get to have people around that don't mm-hmm, like you mm-hmm. just for the sake of keeping the... Yeah, you get to you get to still show up and be an asshole and still enjoy all the social... Yeah, no, but you don't. Yeah. You know, this is the problem, though, when it comes to family, you know, um, it's like for me, it's all the same. Yeah, there's still people. They're still human beings. And, you know, I can't give someone a pass just because we happen to have share some lineage Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or are related by marriage. Yeah, it's like in having, you know, seen a lot of this and in light of everything that has been going on and people, a lot of people have similar stories. Yeah. No matter what it is, whatever the topic is, it's like if you feel very strongly one way or the other, it's like when you go to these things, can you call a truce and everyone be polite to each other? What does that even mean, though? Like, and, and why? I feel like that, so I'll, I'll use myself as an example. You know, a lot of people who I am no longer friends with, well, I'm no longer friends with them because they don't, we don't have the same kind of, it's not even beliefs, mm-hmm. like the same kind of feelings about things. Yeah. And as a result of their objection to the way I feel about one thing or another, I don't get to have them as a friend and mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's yeah. just how it is. Say in my family too, there are some people who I'm like, no, I'm just not going to deal with that person. Mm-hmm. I don't have to and I don't care. And then you just get on with it. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know. It's a, uh, the other side of it is this like grin and bear it. But like, that's why we are where we are. Because, because everyone's, everyone's fucking, grinning and everyone's it. grinning and bearing it and putting up with like racist Uncle Ben and, you know, like. Yeah, all of that. All of this and dealing with philandering this, that, and the other. What if people just said, hey, I'm not, I'm not for this. And I'm going to vote with my feet and I'm not going to show up to this thing. I'm just going to send a, yeah. a C note. Yeah. Yeah, because there are no, um social norms that everybody can agree upon. No, there aren't. And I think it's also okay for people not to get together all the time. 
it's fine. So we've we've had some questions like this in the past where it's like there's been one one person is the whole family is conservative and one person is liberal or the reverse. The mm-hmm. whole family is liberal and one person is conservative. And they're like, well, should I go? Should I not go? It's like, just don't go. What's going to mm-hmm. like they're not. Why, why make it awkward? Yeah. It, it also depends on like whoever the outsider is in that group. Yeah. Do all the insiders then attack that person when they yeah, show up? Probably. Like, or they it, whatever it, it is. Either they I feel like either they attack them or they don't defend them. Yeah. And so why why put yourself in that situation? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty hard. hard line on that though. I, I yeah. don't care about. I don't care if you're family or not. Like, <laughs> if you're an asshole, I don't have to suffer your presence. Yeah. And if you think I'm an asshole, please get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I mean? know. really, like, don't don't be bothered with me at mm-hmm. all. Like, don't let don't let my presence mm-hmm. make anything uncomfortable for you. Merely avoid me. Yeah. Invite me to nothing. Right. right. <laughs> you know. And let, yeah, and get on with it. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So I have um some some interesting stuff here as well. Um we I don't know if we talked about this in the podcast. It's definitely something I'd read a lot about, and I'd read about it in such, you know, publications like Bloomberg, New York Times. Um, so it's finally happening. People are trying to pull icebergs from the Arctic down into places where they need fresh water. Really? Yes. So the this is game. an Emirati, I think it's theft, an Emirati businessman wants to tow an iceberg from Antarctica to the Arabian Gulf. Um, and had for fresh drinkable water. Okay. Um, to which I say, like, if, if you are living in an area where there isn't fresh drinkable water, maybe you don't need need to to be there. I know. Like why you're trying to force the issue. Yeah. You're trying to force the issue. For six years, the ambition of the inventor and entrepreneur has been to transport an iceberg from Antarctica. Um, the journey is expected to take around 10 months with the out, uh, out iceberg reaching its final position three kilometers off of the um, UAE's coast. How long is it going to take to melt? Well, this is the thing. So it, this they're trying to pick an iceberg that is going to be two kilometers by 500 meters. Okay. Good luck. I wonder if the icebergs are like, dude, you got to slim down and bulk up because they're looking at you. <laughs> right. um, so they have a... Someone has developed, and they're trying to get a patent for this metal belt that they're going to put around the iceberg, and then they're going to tow it with tankers. Wait a minute. They need a patent first? They need it to be certified? It's patent pending. It's certified. (laughs) They're going to go out there and lasso, like, and bring this thing in. It's expected to... When you're toting a glacier, this is the premium strap to use. Don't get that other bootleg. Yeah. (laughs) Don't let imitators. Yeah. (laughs) Cheap imitations. So, by the... back from your iceberg. By the time it gets to (laughs) the UAE coast, it's going to have lost 30% of its mass. Okay. So it's going to be leaking on the way down there. Um, They're they're doing a trial run in 2019. This is what I read about. With a smaller iceberg being moved by tugboat to Cape Town in South Africa. Or (laughs) Perth in Australia. Because apparently South Africa, they're running out of water. Which I find bizarre because every time I look online, because, you know, it's it's a popular destination Mm -hmm. in South Africa, I'm like, 
why do you have a tub in this hotel? Is that really a swimming pool? Like, they seriously are running out of water. And so their idea is that they're going to pull an iceberg with some tugboats down to Africa. And it's going to sit off the coast. And then they're wow. going to harvest the water from it. Um, the pr- this is supposed to cost between 60 and $80 million. But the, the, the one for the Emirates is going to be around $100 million, which is probably nothing mm-hmm. for them. Um, so the, the Emirates, and the Emirates, they consume 15% of the world's desalinated water. Mm-hmm. And you know the problem with desalination is that you put all of that salt back into the water. Well, what and, you, you, and you make the water becomes too salty, and right. you're killing right. you know, the ecology. Well, what can we do with the salt? Can nothing. we take it out and use, like, make it into a scrub? <laughs> Can it be, like, put in a salt room? The, the thing of it is, it's like, there's as much salt in the ocean as should be. Like, it's mm-hmm. a very delicate, cali- you know. I know, but I'm saying, like, if we extract what can we do with water it? from the ocean, say we put it in a tank and mm-hmm. desalinate it, mm-hmm. right? And that, So we don't have to dump the salt back in the ocean. That's what it, they do. Well, they shouldn't. I'm just saying, yeah. I, I feel like we can, we can, um, we can make a, salt. we can make a business out of yeah. this. Yeah, okay. Um, so the, uh, they're going to provide. Let's get on let's, yeah, on the scrub. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're going to provide fresh, drinkable water to one million people to, for five years. It's only a million people. Surely there has to be another solution to yes. this. Like this seems like a very dramatic thing to do for a million people. Uh, we believe it will be cheaper to bring the icebergs and use them for fresh water than desalination because desalination requires a huge amount of capital. So this is cheap, right? Was what they're saying. Um, the United Nations projects there's a forty percent shortfall of fresh water by twenty thirty mm-hmm. worldwide. Whoa. You see where this is going. I feel like this is like the it's like a bad asylum movie. Like it's a bad sci fi TV original. All these things that we are, are doing to try to stave off the inevitable instead of just reducing the amount of water that we use and trying to recapture mm-hmm. you know, like in any case, so... Oh, my God. It gets better. <laughs> that's 10 years. Yeah. 11 years. So, oh the other thing God. that's supposed to happen... So, when they bring this... Um, like, I'm not a climatologist, but I was thinking when they bring something so large, it's going to change the climate around it. And they're saying that this actually... Floating the iceberg off the coastline could lead to more rain in the desert, which sounds like a great idea for a human. But once again, there is a real reason why we have desert mm-hmm. ecosystems. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, is home to a lot of, you know, species. And species. we will be uh, killing off and more species. And maybe one of the species that doesn't need to be living in the desert is man. Yeah. If the one thing that we need, water, is not there. Listen, Mother Nature is no <laughs> fool. Yes! And when she feels the time is right, she's going to flick it's us gonna right be off done. the planet. Because she's just like, this is a... This it's is too a, much. We're a pestilence. Yeah. So is it, it's expected that the presence of these icebergs may cause weather pattern change. Uh, because they are cold bodies, they will attract clouds that are moving on the Arabian Sea to the center. Once brought to the center, we expect it will attract more rain to the region. That's what you think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But who knows what's really going to happen? Like, who mm-hmm. knows what, what else will happen? They're also hoping to have some tourism, some iceberg outings and... They're launching a new concept of glacial tourism in the Gulf. Glacial tourism? So because tourists could climb all over it and, and then you're going to drink it? I don't know. Doesn't or just come good. and look at it? There's another place to go see icebergs. It's called the Arctic. 
Um, they said that it'll probably then take two or three months for them to harvest all the water. So this is an idea that they've been talking about since the 70s. Mm-hmm. Now we have the technology and the money and the, the lack of common sense to try it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I like the idea that, like, we try to pull down just one iceberg, and then we, it's like a Jenga. Yeah. Where you pull one out, and then they're all like, let's go. That's right. We're free. Right. And then it's just Titanic all over the place. Right. And that, that's what's that going to do to all the boats, right? There's going to be accidents all over all the kinds of, And the, one, so once one country starts doing it, everybody's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Because people see the Arctic as a, an open resource to plunder. Yeah. It's like up for grabs. It's Whoever's up for gonna grabs. Get there first with the most mm-hmm. money. And it's gonna one, oh, yeah, it's going to start this whole mm-hmm. title. And game. I also see a Lex Luthor scenario where, like, someone is like, "Really? We'll bring an iceberg right to you if you don't do what we say. We're going to put it right off the coast and let it melt, and then good luck." Wow. Also, the other scenario is there's a mammoth inside, and they if they don't see it till it's too late. They're like, "Do you see something inside that iceberg?" It's like, "Nah, it's just a shadow." It's just, you know, it gets blue. The it water, gets the, blue. when the ice is so so frozen, mm-hmm. it turns blue. The other scenario is there are microbes and things in that ice. Yes. That probably shouldn't be released. Exactly. That's, <laughs> like, what, uh, that's right. It's like that permafrost mm-hmm. keeps some things, some ancient things yeah, frozen. There's things, come out. who knows what's in there. Oh, God. Elon Musk. Oh, my God. Yes. What are we in for? I have no idea. We will be dead. You know, before the horror of all of this stuff really comes to fore. We won't be here. We simply just won't live long enough. You know, and all the, all the kids, the next generation, mm-hmm. they're going to be so... So angry at this. And inept because we're not teaching them the right skills to no. deal in a world like this. Yep. In a world where they're... In a world where icebergs... <laughs> are transported for fresh yeah. drinking water. Yes. When icebergs came to Manhattan. And what they they held inside. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's a My bad place. you know it's a bad situation. It's a bad situation. I'm not one, I'm not like a conspiracy, but it's like it's nature. We don't we just don't know. Mm-hmm. Like we just don't know. All right, what do you have? Mm. Besides ice, can you imagine icebergs in Africa? Just doesn't sound right. It does not sound right. Um, I'm no earth scientist. Now, but. speaking of the millennials, okay, we raised. We're old now. The oldest millennials are now 38. Yeah. Isn't they're still something? talking about it like they're young. And they're still saying things like, I'm adulting. Yeah, I'm I don't like, like adulting. Like, you've been like, adulting for two decades now. You've got to stop You're asking. super old. You have kids. Like it's a game. Yes. Like it's a game of Pong or, or yes. Dodgeball. Yeah. Like your kids are in middle school. We've raised Generation Hopeless, millennials who lack basic life and workplace skills, and it's a big issue. This is our fault, by yeah, the way. it is our fault. <laughs> um... It's, research shows that young adults are comfortable putting themselves out there online, mm-hmm. but all that time glued to a screen has raised a generation of incapable, a generation incapable of small talk, critical thinking, and problem solving. Oh no! Yeah, and we have a hard enough time with that as it is. And that's not to mention their staggering inability to cook, draft a personal budget, or change a tire. Are you serious? Yeah. So these practical skills. What like are their par- do their parents not know how to do this? Or they just didn't te- teach they them? Didn't, they're not being taught. And yet, Google is there. I'm yeah. still, I still am Googling stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instructables. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, been a very steep decline in interpersonal skills. And it means that regardless of their school results, young people are going to struggle to get a job. Oh, no. That's yeah. not good. Yeah. It, um... 
there is a somebody is writing a book called Girl Code, which she describes as a guide to interacting properly on this side of the screen. And so the topics that they cover are the basics from handshaking to more advanced areas like how to convey positive body language, grooming, the art of conversation, dinner etiquette, and managing intimate relationships. These are things... Grooming? I'm confused. Okay, so we our generation went through this kind of ridiculous phase, and some people are still in it, of... Being dirty? No, not being dirty, but like, you know, learning how to... It's a pickle thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like a very how... Do you remember that? That maybe like 15 years ago, everyone was like, everyone wanted to knit. Yeah. Everyone wanted to know how to sew. And it was it seemed a, a twee. But at the same time, I was like, no, these were the skills that we wished our parents had passed down to mm-hmm. us. Carpentry skills. Like, you know, b- b- hands-on kind mm-hmm. of things. Like how to cook. That became a big thing. Everyone was watching cooking shows all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, crafts. All of these kind of things. How to do things for yourself because we weren't taught. Yeah. But... This stuff is extremely basic, mm-hmm. like handshakes. Oh yeah, I mean, it's like. But you, they've grown up in in this in our culture. How is that mysterious? Because they're not being forced to like learn it when they should learn it. Like I had my nephew was like playing, you know, some video game on the couch or whatever, and a family friend walked in, and I said, you know, get up. I want to come over here. I'd like to introduce you to so and so. And he's just like, hi. And I'm like, oh, please. I'm like, rise up from the couch. Come walk over Get here. Get up. Go over. Greet the person. Look them in the eye. Handshake. You know, they have to be taught this stuff. There's and a, so, like, a lot of the kids are getting passes on this kind of thing. So they don't do it enough. And their parents aren't challenging them on it, possibly. I think it's interesting because there are a lot of reasons. So the, when someone comes into a room... The, the getting up and going over and greeting them, it's not just about formality. It's like, sometimes you need to look a mofo up and down. Like, yeah. you need to see what you're dealing with. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. It doesn't have to be a negative way. It's but like, what's going sense. on? Yeah. Have a look about? at the person. Yeah. You, you, you get, in that moment when you're doing the handshake, you get to find out, am I comfortable with this person? Is this mm-hmm. person giving off a positive vibe, negative vibe? Like, let's cement, okay, I've met you. I'm looking you in the eye. Now I'm going to remember, you know? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. The, it's it's like being aware of your surroundings. Mm-hmm. It's not just you know doffing a hat. Yeah, and, right, you right, know. Right. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's totally you're on, and you have to be social and be like yeah. the Oscar Wilde of. But it's charm, it's for but. the it's for your benefit sometimes too of seeing what's what's going on, mm-hmm. what's what. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. Uh, but also another um, the blame in part for many of these personal inadequacies lies with the internet, and um, a lot of sociological sociologists agree with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, technological advances had has made verbal communication redundant in many parts of life. Ordering a pizza, taking part in a university class, planning a holiday, or even gym personal training can all be done via an app. Everybody is so isolated. We're in. These silos where we're isolated and inundated with information, and we can't. The personal training at home thing, I thought that was a step backwards. Yeah. Because do you remember? I don't know if you did this. We're aerobics at home. Yeah. You could think of videotape. Yeah. And putting it in. And I thought, okay, now that I'm older, I can afford to go to a gym. Yeah. And I can go out, and it's a social thing. Now we've gone back and you can have this gigantic mirror in your house, which is creepy. Yeah. And you could do your personal training. You stand in front of it and your personal trainer is there, like, life-size. Yeah. And they can yell at you from this mirror. I mean, I... And it costs more than joining a gym, right? <laughs> or go, or actually does. having a trainer. It does. I tell you, like, when... 
I was in college. I had to live with my mother. I didn't live on campus to save money. Mm-hmm. I lived there to work out. I rented videotapes from the library. Yeah. I didn't rent them. I took them out. Yeah. Excuse me. No money was spent. Yeah. And I, wa- I did the Jane Fonda workout. I remember getting tapes. I think I got like a hand-me-down tape from somebody. I probably did not buy a tape because now I think about they were quite expensive. But yeah. I got or a copy. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting a little stare. Mm-hmm. Like a cheap stare at like a store or whatever, and then doing my little workout at home. Yeah, and and I, I didn't like it. <laughs> I wanted to be at the gym. Yeah, I know, but I could I could take out the videos for up to two weeks, and then I had to bring them back, and then maybe take them out again if there was nobody waiting for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember those. T- <laughs> but the thing was, best body of my life, Jane Fonda workout. Yeah, it's a good workout. It's a, Try doing that workout today. It's probably just as tough. That yeah. was old school. That was, yeah. There was no cutesy getting away with anything. It was like, you lift a leg, you lift a leg. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you really? You keep it and, up there. And she was like, you turn it this way and you do yeah. that. You get it that high and that's what you do. This is what you do. Or, no, or, you, or go home. The instruction, like like exercise instruction from that era <laughs> was so militant. Yes. And like... Do it. They're like, don't collapse. Don't let it collapse. Yeah. And get up. Lift your knee. No, that's not lifting a knee. Get it up yeah. there. But nowadays, it's like, do what your body feels like doing. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and that's why my body looks the way it does, because I've been doing what I feel. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not what I want from a trainer. <laughs> so they're not, I mean, yeah. it's, I and I understand it, because I don't like, uh, you know, despite how it comes across, I can be a very introverted person. I don't like a lot of people. I do like to be by myself. Mm-hmm. However, it's not excruciatingly painful for me to interact with people because we live in a world. Yeah, well, of with people. these with the young people, they are not used to speaking to someone in person or on the phone, and the thought of doing so terrifies them. So when you're so scared, when you're so you're in this comfort zone that is so tiny, the thought of expanding it to the next that ring, makes you very vulnerable. Yeah. Though. Um. People, people in the, um, you know, because we live in a in capitalism, people will cater to that feed and make it worse yeah. for you. Like, I think that's one of the things that I have to remember sometimes, especially as someone who works from home a lot. It's like, I could have everything delivered to me. Mm-hmm. I could do everything Skype. Mm-hmm. I could do, you know, I could just live in my own little bubble. Like, there's, there's every business out there is helping me to get to that. Because mm-hmm. um, I think they'd rather you just stay in one place and give you things. Mm-hmm. But you have to get out of that. Otherwise, yeah. it can become like you work from home sometimes too. Yeah, it, it, be, it can be. It can seem like okay. I should just stay in here. This is a lot easier. You have to get out. You have to force yourself to go out. You know, working from home like one day a week. What it does, it like it you, allows you time to first of all work uninterrupted, mm-hmm. and then you have time to decompress. You're not on, and you don't have to commute that day. Yeah, so you save a lot of time, and it's also just like this, like just a little bit. Of an emotional like reset, yeah. So it's really healthy to do that, but you can't and you can you can't stay there. You can't forever. stay there. Yeah. But according to this survey of Amer- um, American millennials, sixty five percent feel don't feel comfortable engaging with someone face to face, and eighty percent prefer conversing digitally. Mm-hmm. And so, as a result of this, they're less likely to understand how they're perceived by others in real life, and they struggle to strike up conversations and can't na- navigate tricky problems like workplace conflict. But all the jobs, the reports for jobs in the future are based around what they call these soft skills. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have them, so I know, I mean, I have some very good friends who are millennials, and they are expert in communication, and they are killing it. Mm-hmm. And it's because, not, they're awesome anyway, mm-hmm. but their competition is this, you know, this person who can't even make a phone I call. I know, uh, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you it's know? just, right, so you're either going to really shine or mm-hmm. you're going to drown. 
Um, time management, the time of these millennials that have a hard time, their time management is shocking and they desire senior roles they can't possibly hope to hold down. Yeah, but they've been told that they're awesome, so they want that job. Right. Yeah, and so they're also so used to being able to filter something before they post something online that they get stuck in a kind of real-life stage fright. So they're afraid to do things because they can't edit themselves right in oh real time. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Um, teenage girls are more frightened of eating in public than putting a provocative picture of themselves online because it's a social thing. Eating in public? Yeah, it's, it's because it's, eating is a social thing. Where so. do you eat then? Well, eating at home, going out to, like, if they had to go out, teenage girls going out to a restaurant with their peers, Mm -hmm. they just don't even know what to do, how to act at a table. We loved going to, like, McDonald's, and then we got old Denny's, like, a bunch of my girlfriends and I when we were teens. That was, like, awesome. We loved doing that. Yeah, because you also had the social skills to sit at a table like a We were probably chewing with a miles, you know, because we weren't with our parents. We were probably like, yeah, this is like, you know, going to Dunkin' Donuts, Mm -hmm. getting a... Because you used to be able to sit there, like get you yeah. know a bunch of donuts, get coffee, and like hang out. That was a lot of my social life. Yeah. Eating. No, they're afraid. That's terrible. Um, I feel bad. Yeah, and it's not just educators who are worried about how woefully unprepared so many young young adults are in life. Mm-hmm. As an educator, I'm terrified. I try. I work very hard to bring these kind of skills into the classroom. Yeah. And give opportunities to practice because you need to. You know, it's it's one thing to. To point the finger at people, but, you know, if you're in a position to try to do something to help, mm-hmm. you have to give the opportunity for that. Yeah, so these these young people, they have, they can code, they can create magic in a digital environment, mm-hmm. but otherwise, so this this clinical psycho- psychologist founded, founded a place called the Adulting School Ew. in the U.S., and these highly skilled candidates often crash and burn in interviews with prospective employers, so they, she... We'll train them. Why aren't school... This used to be a part of what we did in school. Yeah. Didn't matter if you were going to public school, mm-hmm. Catholic school, private school. Mm-hmm. Like, we had to do this kind of socialization that was mm-hmm. built in. Right. To the curriculum. We had events, you know. Yeah, but there, it's not happening. And so, there's a whole generation of people who are... And then unprepared. another... I feel like... Another country's generation will just simply eat their lunch. Yeah. That's all. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's not, a, it's not like a loss for everybody, mm, yeah. just for these people. Yeah. Who have been, who are here. That's really sad. Mm-hmm. I don't, um, wow. Okay. Sure. All right. So, speaking of uh, getting out there and taking risks, another extreme sport. I found oh, yet another yeah. one. Another one. Okay. I only had two as I meted them out. There's a, this is called free flying. So I'll just read it. It's from a Skydive Elsinore uh, is a company that that does free flying, offers classes and whatnot. It says free flying represents the evolution of body flight, Mm -hmm. not content, confined to a belly to earth orientation. Mm -hmm. So they they reject the normal when you do skydiving that you just jump out kind of like a belly flop. Mm -hmm. They're against that. Okay. That's old-fashioned. Free-flying expands the realm of possibilities to all orientations. This includes, but it's not limited to, back to earth. So laying on your back and falling. Oh, God. <laughs> Vertical orientations, including feet to earth or head to earth. So, like, you're like a pencil. Yeah, but isn't that kind of hard with the with the way the currents in the air this are? This is why you have to take the classes. Okay. And angled body positions moving across the sky like a wing. 
Yeah. These body positions encompass a wide range of speeds and potential energies. They are not limited to straight falling. <laughs> but rather encourage making use of the multidimensional sky. Oh, moving, really? <laughs> moving <laughs> laterally and vertically. And Make no, use of the sky. In order to safely, efficiently, and mindfully. Oh, Pilot your body in these advanced orientations. Coaching is recommended, of course. I can't even. This is funny. Artistic free flying, freestyle, vertical formation, and mixed doubles. Mixed <laughs> mix formation skydiving. I like the idea of mixed doubles. Mixed doubles in the air. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So they have a coach. Uh, Andy M. I can't pronounce his last name, but he's coached countless individuals. I don't know what does that mean, countless. How many people are doing I mean, this? We need to know how many. Countless. You can't say countless. You can count them. You have a business. Yeah. You know exactly how many people, Andy, you have. Be, uh, individuals, beginners, and professionals. There, There's some white guy out there who's made a profession out of flinging himself out of a plane foot to earth style. Foot to, oh, God. <laughs> like just dropping straight down. Um, Isn't it more fun to like look down and see where you're going? Not for him. He's a professional. He's not doing this for fun. Oh, yeah. This is he his job. Drop like a pencil. Can you imagine you get something and he's like, oh, fuck, I got to do head to earth today. All right, kids. Head I'll to earth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> head to earth. Let's go. <laughs> so he's he has coached levels, um, all levels, from novice weekend warriors. Oh, those schmucks. Those, oh, my like, God. Those lawyers and doctors who show up doing foot to earth. <laughs> While Andy's out there doing this nine to five, he's a working man. Um, his technically minded style and calm demeanor. Well, I bet. What kind of personality? I, I bet he is calm. Calm demeanor. Mm-hmm. You know, some people they—he's like a probably like an emotional sociopath. Yes. No feeling. Shoving people foot the earth. Up. But just like I can't feel anything, so I need to jump out of this plane yeah. to get like even an emotion. Going. He's like a Law and Order villain. Yeah. Uh, the, so his calm demeanor leaves each student feeling relaxed and confident. I, I'm, I'm so sure. sure. I'm sure. So many people probably do a foot to earth with P <laughs> <laughs> orientation. <laughs> <laughs> like a head to earth with puke. His to this day, he still coaches. He's he's not that old. To this day, to this he still day. coaches and relies on staff to coach and assist him, or a staff of coaches to assist him. P.S. Please let him keep doing this. Please, if he can't jump out of a plane. God, he'll go on a kill. He'll go on a kill. Yeah. yeah. Uh, reservations highly recommended, as no guarantee can be made to uh, to a coach's availability without reservation because they're just really like they're just sitting around hoping someone will come in and want to do a quick foot to earth. <laughs> Or a back to earth. I know, right? Oh, God. Yeah. Um, Back to earth. Back to earth. So he does free load organizing every Friday and weekends. Free load organizing. Free load. Personalized one-on-one coaching, team coaching, and tunnel coaching. Uh, any questions? So his accomplishments are, this, this is what makes him a pro. We were giggling earlier. Nine world and national free fly records. All probably right. organized by him, including largest head down and head up formation and something called MFS speed. MFS. Mother. <laughs> yes, exactly. Speed. Okay. Five free fly national championships, gold and silver at back to back world championships in free fly, and two MFS national championships. Yep. Well, and he's got sponsors. Cookie, wow. cookie helmets. 
helmets <laughs> do a lot for you. Good for when you not. jump out of a plane, yeah. I don't know. An infinity rig. I know. I feel like, look, Just if you think a helmet is going to help you out, mm. oh. I mean, it's probably a good idea to wear one at the same time. Yeah. I guess it's a good idea, but... It's kind of like if you if you pick up, like, gum off a sidewalk, like, dusting it off first ain't going to help. Yeah. Just <laughs> pop it in your mouth. Yeah. Just go Do for it. it. Yeah. Ugh. I know. Yeah. So, at the free flying. So, I watched some... I looked at some of the pictures. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's more exciting if you're doing it. Okay. Because otherwise, it just looks like... It doesn't mm. look like anything's happening. So, the, the one that I... The one picture that really stood out to me is, of course, Burning Man. Mm-hmm. Right? This... Cluster fuck of a. It started out as a legit festival, but there's a guy. He's he's doing this uh, back to earth, mm-hmm. like he's laying back backwards. He's jumping out. He has he's wearing a GoPro, but someone obviously above him is also wearing a GoPro. He's taking a picture of him, and it looks like he's standing in the center of the Burning Man village. Okay, but from really high up, which would be amazing if we didn't all have Photoshop. Yeah, right. You know, so it's yeah. like every photograph that you see nowadays that they're like, hey, yeah. look who I am. I'm like, I could, you know what, hold on. Look where I am. Yeah. I'm next to you. Yeah, right. And I have three heads and I have the tail of a cat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. <laughs> Try to dispute boom. this picture. Yeah. <laughs> Deep fake or what? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, free flying. <laughs> we come here for the news. All right, we have time for like one more thing. Oh, Very silly podcast. <laughs> it's actually making my week a lot better. Okay. <laughs> I have so All much right. material. I have <laughs> barnyard news. Are you okay? I'm okay. Also, we're, we're, we're segueing smoothly yeah. with my cat-like tail yeah. into barnyard news where we report on animals in the barnyard, animals not in the barnyard. And these animals are in and out of the barnyard oh. at will. What is it? I'm going to talk to you today about rats. Oh. Yeah. Now, some Templeton. Guess what? <laughs> They're fun-loving. They like to play hide-and-seek with people. No. Yes. Do they know that we're trying to kill them during this game of hide-and-seek? I was falling out of my chair reading this. Um, rats, a rat approached you once on the subway. And, and maybe me. It, maybe it was just trying to, like, get the game going. Like, like I'm going? Yep. Like, it's a foot, yeah. you know? It's like, oh, here she comes. Yeah. And I'll go back it's in. It's like, what's her problem? Yeah. Rats can be taught to play hide-and-seek, and and they squeal with joy when they win, scientists have found. Both wild and domesticated animals have been known to play, but neuroscientists from Berlin's uh, Humboldt University wanted to know more about the topic after hearing from pet owners and vets that rats seem to be engaging in more complex forms of play. I would like to hear from rats. They observe humans, and they're like, we think that humans actually engage the thought process before acting. (laughs) We've seen evidence of it. We're not Not sure. sure. Not sure. (laughs) Not sure. It has long been known that rats engage in simple forms of play, like rough and tumble play. Mm -hmm. Um, Also known as fighting. (laughs) But we wanted to know if they could do more complex games like hide and seek. Chess. (laughs) Hold up in a laboratory with the rats in a in a a section. They hold up. Yep. Okay. And a selection of remotely controlled boxes, a team of scientists played a version of the childhood game with the rodents, teaching them how to hide from and find the researchers. Again, did you see Rats of Nim? Did you see how that... Over a period of few weeks, they found that the rats quickly learned how to hide and seek and even started to develop tactics and strategies for the game. Why are you teaching rats how to outsmart you? After being discovered, rats would rehide, even if 
it stopped them from receiving their reward, by the way. They don't need your poxy piece of cheese. Instead of being given food, the rats were tickled as their reward for both hiding and finding the researchers. But after being discovered, rats would sometimes rehide, even if it meant in delaying that reward. Mm -hmm. Proof scientists believed that the rats were playing for the sake of playing. So it was just like they did, even though they got the reward that they liked, Mm -hmm. they still wanted to do it because it was fun. But this changes everything about, you know, Pavlovian response and animals not being able to delay gratification. Yeah. And it says, although quiet when hiding, researchers said... Yeah, then the, when the rats squealed with joy when they discovered the scientists, something researchers think shows an understanding of the game's rules. Like, ah, there you are. <laughs> yeah. They look like they're having fun. They come running. They're very vocal. They call all the time because they're thrilled about it. But when they hide, they're pretty, they're pretty silent. Yeah. Um, Jeez. They also, the team offered the animals stupid hiding places such as transparent boxes, but the animals played strategically instead of opting, instead opting for smart hiding places like opaque boxes, which provided better cover. So they understood. Wow. They had to hide. What does this mean? Yeah. So they're linking, um, they studied the neural activity in the rat's prefrontal cortex as they played and found that several cells in the brain region responded to certain aspects of the game. Mm-hmm. And the research could offer further insight to the link between play and cognitive abilities. So the importance of play and learning is linked in, <laughs> in rats. Oh my God. It's, it's just fascinating to me because I think the more we, the more we discover about animals and it's not the case that what we were taught, mm-hmm. you know, that the religious of that we have dominion mm-hmm. over this and we are the lords of the all. It's mm-hmm. like, really? No. Yeah. No. And, and, yeah. I think we're going to be very, it's going to become very difficult, I think, for people to continue to treat, for some people to continue to treat animals the way that we do. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of rats, but now I'm listening to this, it's like. Because you guys just keep your population down. That's all I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, like, it's just. You know, yeah. yikes. Yeah. And, okay, fine. <laughs> what you got? Yeah, it's just weird. Um, something even weirder. So, the uh, a, a woman who is out there trying to, she was formerly the anti-revenge porn group Badass. So, she's an activist, an online activist that tries to not only fight internet harassment, but also figure out ways to... Um, be more impactful mm-hmm. in the online arena of, like, say, you know, safeguarding women from this stuff. So she started a Twitter account called Show Me Your D, and she's asking people to send in legal, consensual pictures of the penis. Um, and she's trying to create an a- algorithm that can filter out penis pictures. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Oh, by the way, penis news, everybody. What I report on Dick's <laughs> the News Scrotum Stories, okay. the member on the move. So she's trying to... Figure out a way that uh, when AI sees a picture of a penis, it can filter that picture mm-hmm. out so that women are not getting inundated with these dick pics. And mm-hmm. it's a huge—I mean, it's a huge problem. Yeah, yeah. So it says the ultimate goal would be— ins- Or not so huge in some or cases. <laughs> in, in some cases, it would be to inspire Twitter and other platforms to give users the power to control what types of content they're receiving. 
Um, so she's building the filter with a collaborator. Currently, the solution to not getting these images is to close your inbox completely mm-hmm. and just not get images at all. But that's not it's appropriate. Not, that's, you know, yeah. why do we always have to be like on the defense for this? Yes. this behavior needs to stop. The behavior needs to stop. So she was over. She asked for, hey, send me your 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 DPS. She was overwhelmed with them. Um, and she's used them to train the filter. And she said the filter um, is being trained on existing libraries of dick pics. Mm-hmm. So she's got like a lot of them together. Um, and so far, it's worked. The mm-hmm. filter, only one penis got through the filter. Mm-hmm. And it said it was because the penis itself was partially obscured by the small metal cage that it was in. I don't know what the person sent her, what they were up to. A small um, metal cage. Mm-hmm. So that is, if you are willing to, to put your dick in a cage and take a picture of it, you can send that to somebody. But I'm assuming That's that you could. Art. Yeah, I'm assuming you could couldn't really see it anyway. Yeah, yeah. But so this woman is coming up with a was basically a dick filter so mm-hmm. that you can have a penis free online experience, mm-hmm. which is awesome. See, this is sometimes the way that you have to you know mm-hmm. to spin it because you. It's going to take us some time to convince men to not do this. Yeah. And to have some protections around it. But in the meantime, this woman's fighting back with this DP filter, which is awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's just like when you're using your search engine, you can put in that you don't want pornographic images coming through. Mm -hmm. As podcasters, we do a lot of searches for a lot of things. Right. And so I have my filters set because I don't have time for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? (laughs) Like, I'm looking for a particular, you know, something about feet. Yeah, you don't need a foot and an ass, like or or like whatever is going on. Yeah, our searches that we do for the show are just like all over the place. Like they don't even know what to make of us. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I use DuckDuckGo because they don't track. But when I was using Google, the stuff that would show up on the the ad, the The ads, ads, I'm like, oh my god, no, no, I don't. I'm fine. I don't need any kind of sharp repellent. No, (laughs) (laughs) like. And I'm not a flat earther. Yeah. Like, I'm just researching these things. <laughs> They're like, she's going to swim to the edge of the earth. <laughs> yes. And we've got, we've got something for you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you for listening to Hey You Know It. Stay in touch with us during the week. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Tumblr. Go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on an upcoming show regardless of content. As always, we love your emails. Send us an email at heyyouknowit at gmail.com with your comments, questions, and segment ideas. Emails will also be read on upcoming shows. Please tell your friends about us because you know we don't advertise. And let them know we can be found on iTunes at stitcher.com and at heyyouknowit.com. Thanks. Thanks.